we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A lovely brace of shot urging from the travelling Watford faithful. Troy Deeney's cruel dig at a Sunday evening TV stalwart. Seamus Coleman produces the most loyal 3.67 seconds in football history. The flimsiest ever spotting of a January transfer target in transit. Football words that get bandied about a lot. An unacceptably emphatic announcement of added on time. Football in colours you can be without it sounding weird. And Richard Keyes' blog goes all cryptic on us. Broads your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts. This is football cliches. Hello everyone, welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry, this is the adjudication panel, and on that panel, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good to have you, and good to have Dave Walker as well, how are things? Yeah, very good. Excellent, full strength. Charlie, you got something to share with us straight off the bat. Yeah, this left me reading a bit. I was watching the Breakpoint Netflix documentary uh, about tennis, and there's a moment where uh, Holger Runa is talking about how he and um, Carlos Alcaraz grew up playing together from when they were little kids, and then they're about to play a Wimbledon quarterfinal. And he does the standard setup. He says, you know, if you'd said to me and Carlos at that point that we'd be playing each other in a Wimbledon quarterfinal. And then he does something extraordinary. He says, I think we both would have believed it. So you, you can't say that. You have to say, <laughs> I would have told you you were mad or I, I never would have thought it possible. I've, I've Honestly, I don't think I've ever heard that setup not then followed by, by that. In that hypothetical, you always think it's crazy, but apparently not here. I, I couldn't believe it. I think this is really welcome, actually, for two reasons. One, it's very smoothly done. I, I, th- I think he's, I think he's delivered it very well there. And secondly, we were, we were running out of, not running out of ways, but there, there seemed to be a complete sort of grey area about what people are supposed to say in that traditional circumstance. You can't say men in white coats anymore, obviously. So it's all gone a bit weird anyway. So I'm glad to see someone subvert it, frankly, and yeah. it shows a little bit of self confidence, which is good as well. I know. I, I, I didn't mind it at all, and I do. I, I may have said this before, but. I think now, given that they, these people who hypothetically say things are always correct, if someone now came up to me and said, do you know what, in 10 years you'll be doing this, I'd probably believe them, seeing as in the history of recorded sound, they've never been wrong with these hypotheticals. Was there a pause between him saying the first and the second bit? A, a little bit. I don't think I don't think he realised the sort of... <laughs> I don't think he did it for like, the impact here is going to be huge with me subverting this cliche. But there's definitely enough of a pause for me to quickly think, OK, here we go, and then be really surprised. It's, it's well delivered. Right, um, tour updates uh, really is the last few tickets going in Birmingham, Bristol and Dublin for the Football Clichés Tour in 2024. Um, for the, all the other nights, just keep an eye out for spare tickets on Twitter. There are usually uh, one or two. Otherwise, go to myticket.co.uk and pick up the last few for Birmingham, Bristol and Dublin. It's going to be great. Right, let's adjudication panel. Dave, this one's just for you to kick things off. Uh, Joe Watkins has urged us to enjoy the audio of Jake Livermore's goals for Watford against QPR. 
Now, I don't know if it's important context, Dave, but these are about five minutes apart, these goals. I mean, overall, a great, you know, the usual lovely tableau of audio from fans urging to shoot and the shot being taken. But I would I would put it to you, Dave, that the first one was very ironic. Livermore averages about a goal every 20 games in his career. There wasn't a lot of oomph behind that urging to shoot in the first instance, was there? No. I don't know if it was ironic, but more like, as you say, probably with the knowledge in mind that it's Livermore. It was kind of in hope, vaguely hopeful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was and a shooting situation, no question. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But everyone would have taken it on. It wasn't like what we were chatting about on Thursday's episode. It wasn't a defender sort of gingerly coming out with the ball and, and, and eventually having a shot. It fell to him in a good position, good first touch. It was obvious. I don't think he's had a shot like that since joining Watford at the start of the season. So, yeah, exactly. Hope, hope rather than expectation. And I think... That is confirmed by the little, in between the shoot and the and the cheering after the goal. There's a little bit of there's a there's a sort of brief. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a great moment. It's just so nice. I mean, we always say this, but it's Charlie. It's just so nice to be able to map out five thousand people's thoughts mm. uh, as the ball travels. It's just a great connection. I think I, I, I really do love it on a human level. It is. And there is something obviously less so with the ones where it's more hopeful. But when you you can't help but as a fan feel like you deserve a little bit of credit if you have been one of the people <laughs> urging someone to shoot. If you mean it, if you're like, he's got a really good shot on him, just take a shot and he's been reluctant to. And then you do that and they score. You can't help be like, you know, would he have done it without us? Hard to say. But, you know, we've all played our part. Take it to Opta, see what they can <laughs> do with it. I'm sure they can come up with a metric for you. The second one, though, Dave, the second urging to shoot, clearly had a lot more oomph behind it because it was very context-driven, coming mere minutes after the first goal, and the ball fell to him again. Let's hear the two shoots sort of back-to-back to give an idea of the difference. <laughs> Yeah, a very clear raising of the volume and oomph behind that second one. There was a real knowingness to the second yeah. shoot, Charlie. Yeah, that's where I think you you would take some credit as uh, as, <laughs> as the away following. It's amazing the difference in tone between them, not just the volume. What a difference a goal makes yeah. for the crowd. Really, really does. Fairly unique situation in terms of a ball falling to the same player in almost the exact same spot so quickly and it being a player that just doesn't have a reputation for, for scoring from any rate, you know, for any, in any situation, let alone sort of from that sort of range. Because I was watching it in the pub after Sunday League and like, so I didn't really, hear, didn't really hear the sounds, but like kind of made, kind of did the same thing. I was like, we were all, and even the people, the non-Watford fans, which was all but one of us, kind of, like, we were all into it because of that. We recognised the sort of, you know, how crazy that situation was. And there was a big reaction when he scored that second goal. Um, big reaction for most people, but not Livermore himself, Charlie, as you as you sagely pointed out on Twitter. It was really weird. Like I, I was watching this uh, on, on a train, on the train up to Manchester. And I, so I just, so I just, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't watching the game. I saw the clip. I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I was saying I was, you know. Might do bat- Happy Hunting Grounds Championship level one day. <laughs> <laughs> Battling train Wi-Fi to watch QPR Watford. But I saw the goal and then the celebration. Yeah, and it just looked to me, it looked like the most I've scored against my old club celebration I've ever seen so I, I did check I was like yeah. well I don't want to tweet this if yeah, I don't he actually you. did used to play for QPR checked he hadn't but I was like that's also really interesting because he's so QPR so there was so much going on to the point where I'm like <laughs> and other people have made this point did Livermore temporarily think he'd <laughs> played for QPR <laughs> that was that, that was and then he was like oh no 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 I haven't god what am I thinking that would be that would be football culture in this country peaking I believe if a Can footballer you imagine it, they'd ever play for someone that and that to me also Dave was the tipping point we have to do the how have they never played for 11 which I think has to be the plan for Thursday this week because it's well overdue and and it combines two what of our hurt. greatest loves which is reading out players names and also speculating about whether they could conceivably have played for another football club which is which is basically the secondary enjoyment of that so it's on we're doing it great Bring it on. Right, lovely stuff. Sticking to a Watford theme, here's Forest Green Rovers player head coach Troy Deeney on their 2-0 defeat at home to Harrogate Town, speaking to BBC Radio Gloucestershire. We just said we're sleepwalking to a loss because nothing was going to happen. It's going to be someone was going to nick a 1-0. First half was boring. I prefer to watch Antiques Roadshow than watch that. And the ball bounced there. No offence to anyone who likes Antiques Roadshow. Um, inevitably my question here Dave is is Antiques Roadshow the go-to programme to use here 
And secondly, you're shaking your head. You think it's quite good, clearly. And I agree. I wonder if Antiques Roadshow is a victim of its scheduling. If it was Saturday night, everyone would have been banging on about it for years. It would have been a cult hit. But Sunday, it's Graveyard. Songs of Praise. I was going to say, Songs of Praise would be Mm. my go-to. Songs of Praise is joyful. You know, you can't call it boring in that sense. But it is it's it's long, isn't it? And it's kind of, yeah, you know, hymns. It's church (laughs) on a Sunday. You couldn't compare a first half to Songs of Praise, could you? If anything, that would be a great first half. (laughs) Fans in good voice, <laughs> clapping along. Well, yeah, church as well. I'm trying to think, that's kind of a good thing. You know, well, we're talking about cathedrals, haven't we? But church is a great venues. Yeah. E- even even if they can be a little bit, um, I suppose, quiet at times church and monotonous. Are churches more fortresses or cauldrons, Charlie? I don't know if church, churches are often cauldrons. Uh, I think you more You wouldn't want fortress. it to be either, would you? I don't know, you know, yeah. You don't want it to be a difficult place to go. You want it to be accepting yeah. <laughs> and welcoming. It should be they sanctuary. Are, they are sanctuaries, yeah, in some ways. What would be the best, uh, most appropriate programme to say? What is the say? most boring TV programme? Yeah. Uh, the test card. That's too easy, isn't it? And dated. Overnight CFAX with the music on. Bargain Hunt. No, but something really... Bargain something Hunt's really, competitive. Something really boring. Someone won't kiss the badge on Bargain Hunt, remember? <laughs> Newsnight. That's that's a bit harsh. Although, I mean, it's, it's getting stripped yeah. down, isn't it? So yeah, the local I mean, you news. Could, could could you say yeah? I mean, boring's a bit harsh. Could you say like I've seen more passion on Bargain Hunt or Antiques Roadshow? Yeah, or maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Crowds gather on Antiques Roadshow. It, it has a climax. One of the programs they put on like BBC Four, where it's like a canal barge just going, just nothing mm. else, or a train. What about one of those? Like back like Animal Hospital or something like that. Yeah. Is that a yeah. bit harsh? But that feels That's like manufactured people... drama. They always find some way of getting you in, don't they? You know, <laughs> dramatic music, but nothing actually happens. Chess? Televised chess. But then we're in the realms of kind of tiddlywinks and yeah. you know, just belittling yeah. sports again. Yeah, that's not that's not television, strictly speaking. Um, we'll never get to the bottom of this. Antiques Roadshow, much maligned and unfairly so. Next up, this question comes from Jim McNulty. He asks... Has anyone ever football clubbed more than this before? You know, I'm very proud to play for this football club. It's a special football club and we should never forget how big of a football club it is in, in, in this country. Yeah, this was Seamus Coleman, Charlie, um, taking the Everton record for Premier League appearances, 355. So that was the context of the discussion. Now, there are obviously some sub-disciplines to football clubbing because as we'd established, Connor Cody is the king of football clubbing. Um, he once produced 16 in the space of 765 seconds upon being unveiled as an Everton player not so long ago. That was one every 47.8 seconds. Seamus Coleman here did three in 3.67 seconds. That's astonishing work. Yeah, but you're kind of comparing sprinting to marathon, aren't you? I mean, Cody's done it over... To to maintain the pace Cody was doing over that length of time is very impressive. What Coleman's done is also impressive, but in a different way. That's just bang, bang, bang. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. he's hit you very hard, but in a, in a short period. Could he sustain that over, what was it, 18 minutes, you say, Connor Cody? That's that's a big ask. Is is it less impressive, Dave? A feat? To squeeze three into 3.67 seconds is quite the feat. I mean, it, it, it's a multi-syllable affair and you've done it three times. <laughs> I, I think it's more impressive because over 18 minutes, you could be forgiven for lapsing into it and dropping it in. And, and, and indeed, there may even be, it may even sort of, be a bit more appropriate surely Coleman himself must be on the third football club must be thinking oh I've said I can't say this again well you say that but it's clearly Charlie it's clearly such an addictive sentiment because it 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 performs the its function so well compared to just saying club yeah I don't think it would register I I think it wouldn't even sound to hit I think it would sound as much as saying oh I shouldn't keep saying Everton. I mean, it's just such an intrinsic part of what you're trying to say. With that in mind, I want to listen to the clip again. And between us, I want to decide which of the three is the most disposable. Which one could he have not done and it would have been all right? You know, I'm very proud to play for this football club. It's a special football club and we should never forget how big of a football club it is in, in, in this country. Yeah, number three can go. Number three yeah. can go. The two, the two are bang on. They're nailed on football clubs. The third don't need it. The, the proud, like proud, goes particularly well with it. I think proud to play for this football club. The, the, those two things. I think you you often, yeah, I think you often hear about pride in relation to a football club. Yeah, you can just say we should never forget how big it is. That's fine. Rubber stamping, if it needed rubber stamping, Dave. That Everton are the most football clubable club in English football this season of all seasons as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think even who. Who comes close to them? If they were in the Premier League, still would Leeds? They they're 
sort of they've got the a United kind of thing. history. Oh, you got, yeah, United. Yeah, Leeds have a lot going for them, but they, it, it, it's, it's, it's just Goodison. That's what it is. It's it's that just kind of it's really it looks like a really warm place, Goodison. Like just oh, it's all tucked in and warm, but just also quite fiery and proud and all that sort of mm. stuff. It's just a very football clubby club. And always it's surrounded by houses. That's it. That's why it is. it is. I'm looking at the rest of the teams in the league. There's just no one. Not for much longer. No one that comes close. Definitely. Will Will the football club survive yeah, the jump? <laughs> I think even more so. Huge, because huge danger. There'll, there'll be an occasion where it's written that you know they've lost their character. You know the club, the soul of the club's been taken out or something. And and the the Seamus Coleman equivalent, maybe it will still be Seamus Coleman. will have to front up and say something like, you know, we ne- we need we can't forget you know, how special this football club is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Next one came from Liam Tharm, who was watching PSV Eindhoven versus Excelsior, as you do. This was as Luke de Jong notched the first of his hat-trick, but the commentator was determined to talk about something else. This is, this is the, one of the most ludicrous transitions I've ever heard. Yeah, while PSV were... Their feet up over the uh, Christmas break. It was another loop, wasn't it? Doing, uh, making some headlines in the World Dance Championship. Beat one famous Dutchman along the way, didn't he? Loop it back. Raymond van Barneveld. But it's De Jong who is uh, the darling of these uh, PSV supporters. And he's on the ball again. Sweeps it out to Bakayoko. I'm really puzzled. Did he just really want to talk about the darts? I don't mind it. I mean, it, it's it's a kind of the passage of play. So the ball's being passed along the back line. Yeah, they're sure. one nil up. They're in control. It's it's the time where you do drop something. He hasn't got a co-commentator by the sounds of things. So he's, no. you know, got to got to drop something in just to just to fill the time. And it as he as he says, darts is big in big in the Netherlands. So it's kind of relevant. Yeah, throwing in a Dutchman, Charlie. Help things along, right? I'm yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't go with then. But it's uh, Luke de Jong who's hit the bullseye here. It really sounds like that's what he was kind of leading up to. That's what I was waiting for. But then, of course, there is a third aspect to this. It isn't just um, someone called Luke uh, beating a Dutchman. There's Luke de Jong, and of course, Luke Littler was famously the young Luke Littler. Mm, so yeah, but he didn't. He could have used that. <laughs> but maybe all of these things are. Maybe that unconsciously influenced him. A touch overwrought, perhaps. <laughs> well, well, you know, in for a penny, yeah. in for a pound, uh, when it comes to the overwroughtness of that. I don't know what was going on there, but uh, obviously a darts fan really wants to talk about it, and fair play to him. Right, headline, Charlie, in the Shields Gazette, which I can tell you is the oldest provincial newspaper in the United Kingdom, founded in 1849. Um, here's the headline. £42 million Newcastle United transfer target spotted at St James's Park ahead of Man City clash. Wow. So he's at the stadium to for a bit of a watching brief, presumably, before he signs. No, no. No, it was Calvin Phillips turning up with the Manchester City squad for the game. Spotted. Clever. Insane. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Uh, well, Dave, on that technical point, if it's not technically wrong, then that's, that's the saving grace for a transfer headline these days. No, but it is wrong, isn't it, really? It's spotted. It's like you, can't, <laughs> you can only spot someone in a place where you wouldn't expect them to be. Tracking tracking the Man City team bus as it was going to St James Park. He's on his way. Pope spotted in the Vatican. Rishi Sunak <laughs> spotted walking out of number 10. Man <laughs> goes to work. <laughs> I never thought we'd plummet to man goes to work levels, but we've done it, haven't we? We've done it, finally. There we are. Cynical. I mean, was he on the bench? You mean rather rather than he, did he just travel with the team? If he was in the stands, then maybe there's sort of slightly more plausible element to it. But if he's if he's literally kitted up on the bench... Or if there was some, he was on the bench, if there was some speculation about whether he wouldn't even make the bench, then you could maybe just about get away with that. Spotted. Just, just incredible. Just the, uh, the whole thing just amazes me. Huge fan, though, of the art of sort of ludicrous, teasery headlines and what's acceptable and what's not. It's, it's, it's quite an art. Well, this is the transfer window, and we know the transfer window is an absurd state of affairs. Um, this came from listener Nick. Here is the Athletics' David Ornstein reflecting on the football industry and the transfer window on the BBC's Transfer Gossip Daily Pod. 
you know, we both love our industry and, and therefore you do still get that thrill. It, it can uh, be eroded a little bit from bad experiences and also repetition because we've been doing this for so long now, for so many years. I, I've covered most transfer windows January and summer since turning professional in 2006. So it must be 40 odd now or, or perhaps more. Turning professional. I mean, I suppose if he was doing like work experience before that, <laughs> there is a transition to be made. He, was, he signed schoolboy forms of the BBC at first then he signed his first professional contract Charlie well especially yeah it does it just about it's not I don't think I've ever heard that before but you might um, I guess it makes sense in that like a lot of journalists do the kind of training and then yeah they get their first kind of proper job so you do go from a kind of apprenticeship type thing to then feeling like you've, you've turned pro. I'll, I'll catch, next time I catch up with him, I'll ask him, Dave, whether it was a real proud moment to break his first senior story. Proud moment for him and his family. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, lovely stuff. Just just never heard it in any other context before and um, fair play to him. You know, you were a, a, a famed amateur blogger, Adam, before, yeah. you, mm. before you turned pro. That's true, actually. When do you talk about turning pro? <laughs> when did I turn pro? 2014, I guess. That's it. I'm going to start using it from now on. This is your testimonial year. (laughs) Wow. So you you will have to turn up for the podcast and pay to be there so I can put together a little nest egg for when I retire. The industry as a whole will lay on a big event for you. Wheel out some old colleagues. If only we had some live events coming up. That's it. They're all going to be my testimonial. This is brilliant. Brilliant news and brilliant development. Thanks, Orny, um, for enabling me for that. Right. Next up, Charlie, a little quiz for you. In football, what words get bandied about a lot? You hear the word, yeah. World class, you hear bandied around a lot. Mm. Dave? The word... Legend? Legend, yeah. Legend or genius. Legend, yeah, legend, I guess it supposes more. Yeah, the word legend, you hear it's bandied around a lot, but... Yeah, legend, world class. Yeah, I'd, I'd say those are the, the real ones. Um, here's Joe Cole before Chelsea versus Fulham on TNT Sports, talking about João Paulinha. Yeah, I mean, listen, Bayern Munich are a huge club, you know, and to, for that, to think you're going to be going there and the possibility of playing in Champions League and it to fall through. But it's a credit to him and, you know, like the, the word professional footballer gets bandied around a lot. You know, we all, we all have disappointments in our career, but one thing you must do is you must keep your performance levels up. I don't think it gets bandied about at all, <laughs> let alone a lot. I, don't, I mean... Charlie, by definition, something getting bandied about a lot suggests overuse, right? I don't think you could overuse the phrase professional footballer. I don't think it. I don't think it ever gets used out of its natural habitat. Is he saying? Yeah, I'm trying to work out what he said. He's saying he's saying that if, players are praised for being professional too much, right? Because that's the sort of uh, prerequisite that's the least you they would sh- expect. Yeah, 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 they should be. Yeah, but yeah, that is. <laughs> I don't think that is. I mean, I think I think get, I think bandied about a lot gets bandied about a lot. <laughs> bandied <laughs> about the problem. Is one of the, I've never thought about that expression, but it's a great expression. Bandied about a lot. What is the bandying in that? What is what is it to bandy about something? There's a sport called bandy, right? But I don't know if it. Yeah, it's a, a game similar to ice hockey, played exclusively in the Scandinavian countries and the Baltic region and Mongolia. But I don't know if that's a oh, verb to bandy. To pass on or discuss in a casual or uninformed way. Yeah, it's interesting though. Cause yeah, it's not. It's it's about the volume, isn't it? That's what annoys people when you talk when you know you talk about legend or world class or whatever it is being bandied around. It's not necessarily that people are doing it who aren't informed. It's just that it's being done too often. Like there's a sort of finite amount that you that that word should be used. It's the kind of liberalness of the way it's being used, I think. Surprised you didn't know this, Charlie. It's uh, partly derived from the French bondaire, which means to take sides at tennis. Ah, that's interesting. Next up, come from Ender Cole with this week's gold standard entry for footballers' names in things. He asks, which waspish former Wolves, Reading and Republic of Ireland winger appears in this famous song by mid-2000s pop-punk band All Time Low? Feels like Stephen Hunt's calling your name from the crowd. Was this around the time he shot to fame as well for the incident with Petr Cech? I said, so let's he, find he, out. So this <laughs> this song is called uh, "Dear Maria, Count Me In." That would have been September 2006, I think. That incident. Said over. Released on February the 14th, 2008. Also, yeah, he would have been. That would have been a little while after. It took a while to write. Six. 14th of October 2006. So conceivably, that song could have been written 
around the same time. But yeah, let's not dwell on that. Uh, thanks, Ender. Great stuff. Let's head back to Goodison Park, shall we? And uh, plenty of people sent this one in. Right on the 90-minute mark, uh, this happened. The fourth official has indicated there'll be a minimum of seven minutes. Slightly less than the first half stoppage time in the second period. Seven minutes have been added on. Now, a lot of people, Dave, um, sent this to me um, saying that they'd never heard such an incredulous PA announcer. So he's saying he couldn't believe that it had been seven minutes. I didn't get that vibe. It's it's very sort of Greg Wallace telling the contestants on MasterChef how much time they've got left. It, it's quite emphatic, weirdly emphatic delivery. I've never heard that before. Yeah, but I, it, so it's nil-nil, obviously. So I think it's like, there's, come on, get behind the boys. Seven minutes, we can do this. Well, exactly, because Charlie, it's not an insignificant moment when the additional time gets announced and the home team especially has something they need to do, they, you know, a winner to search for. And it does give some sort of propulsion to a team, doesn't it? So why wouldn't the PA announcer get involved? If anything, I feel, it feels like something the Premier League would clamp down on. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because they're not, you can't have them... You know, That's you artificial. Yeah, you can't have the same as being like, "Come on, boys, these are knackered. Can we can we fucking put it in for the last ten? You know, they can't they can't be advising the players, and and that seven is potentially just you know just getting in their ear a little bit. Come on, plenty of time. I absolutely agree, Dave. This is a slippery slope. What's next? PA announcers urging players to shoot from twenty five yards when they weren't <laughs> sure if they wanted to or not. It's well, it'll be probably game changing stuff. It will probably be the uh, the guy at Man City will probably be the first to do it if it does yes. happen. Yeah, he he needs a stern word with him. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I'd never heard such a sort of emphatic announcement of injury time at a top seven level. minutes. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of like the eighty third minute. There's still loads of time. <laughs> yeah. left. come on. Yeah, well, we've spoken about this before. Eighty three minutes. You've still got loads of hope. There's seven yeah. minutes of football. It's still enough to contemplate scoring a goal, and it isn't just kitchen sink. Absolutely agree. Right. Next question comes from Gwilym Lockwood. My mate doesn't follow football, so it's my job to teach football phrases to his three-year-old. I'm trying to teach her that when you smack a projectile hard and far with very little control, you have to say, have it. She's interpreted this differently. She thinks I'm saying have it in the sense that I want you to have the ball. So she's, so she's yelling have it while passing it gently to me and focusing on accuracy. This is very cute and comically wrong, but it got me thinking, what is the it in have it? Because most other football verb it calls line it square it switch it smash it refer to the ball so what is the it charlie well yeah those ones are more sort of concrete instructions the av it is kind of, the it in that instance to me is like a bit of that is what have that a bit have of some that, of that. A bit of that. Yeah. yeah it is isn't just it? like that's that's sort of what you're saying you're just like it's, it's less specific it's just yeah like have a have a bit of that so david's basically analogous to pick that one out it's like a rhetorical offering of something but not expecting anyone to do anything in response have it pick that one out i don't think it is the same as pick that one out though okay pick that one out's more specific yeah i mean right. obviously the most famous usage of this phrase is in the peter k is it Boddington's? Or John Smith? John Smith's advert. John Smith's, yeah. yeah. Boddington's was, much classier yeah. advertising strategy, I understand. Yeah. That's Melanie Sykes, isn't it? Boddington's. Yes. Um, and I think it's, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't, I, that was just kind of the first time I would have heard that phrase, I think, really. I don't know, if, I can't remember it being used much on the football pitch when I was a youngster or anything. But like, it's just a, it's just a hoof, isn't it? Have it. Have some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Have some of that. No, I, I, that's basically what it is, isn't it? So, yeah, the it is definitely not the ball, uh, for sure, because you're getting rid of it, if anything. You're not offering it to anyone. You're sending it as far away as possible. Th this reminds me, because I just asked uh, you guys, um, I so a friend of mine, he was out recently, and someone in, in soft play, as it were, a dad accidentally collided with his son and instantly said to me, leading arm, I'd be in trouble if VAR got involved. And my friend was kind of surprised by that. Not, I mean, obviously, it's awful chat, but he was kind of like, that's quite an assumption to like use VAR but I said even if you're not into football VAR or VAR has kind of entered the discourse enough I said it was kind of like a can I phone a friend 20 years ago or something <laughs> like that he which he disputed he said no that or like should have gone to Specsavers or I guess Avit just kind of entered the discourse but I think VAR like that's not football bubble is it like most people it is if a you little said them, bit like, oh shit oh VAR might check that I think most people would get that, wouldn't they? It's Isn't a cultural level or two down from phone a friend. No question. Who wants to be a millionaire was colossal. I don't think it would have the universal appeal. If you, if you told a random person in the street, you know, VAR. Is VAR more like ask the audience? 
No, I think actually it is more phone a friend because, like, you could imagine the friend sitting in Stockley Park, actually, couldn't you, waiting for the call? Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, glad we solved that too. All right, that brings us to the half time of the adjudication panel. We'll be back very shortly. Welcome back to the adjudication panel. Charlie Eccleshare and David Walker on the panel with me today. First up for the second half, this is Nick Clark. Always like a colour-based discussion, Charlie. Um, He's directed me towards a tweet from Oxford United saying, Jamie Cumming, their new signing, is a yellow. Nick says, potential adjudication. You can be a red, you can be a blue, but surely you can't be a yellow. Are there some team colours that just don't work when describing a player or a fan? A yellow sounds all wrong. Is this just a numbers game, though? We just don't hear it very often and it sounds weird. I think it is that exactly that. Well, yeah. Is I mean, it all like you know, once a yellow, always a yellow? You'd never hear it, but it is just because we're used to hearing once a red. Can I point out as well that in the, the announcement, just to, just to underline the point, he's a goalkeeper, right? And he's wearing the goalkeeper's top, which is green. Oh. Further jarring. Yeah, yeah, that is annoying. Watford never referred to ourselves as the Yellows. I don't think you'd ever. I don't think we'd ever do it. Would you say Troy Deeney is always a Yellow? No, we could just say a Hornet, wouldn't you? Because there are some clubs whose nickname just overrides the colour. Or is the but same it is thing. true though. The the red and blue point is in, is true. What other colours could you imagine a club being described? You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't have like a Spurs player. You know, maybe a lily white. You wouldn't say a white though, would you? You might say a lily white. It would sound odd. Would you say for like Newcastle, what a black and white or something? No. Does that sound? That you can't have two colours. You can't have two colours yeah. either. No, it's awful. Uh, unless you're on the continent, the Rocky Blanco or something mm. like that. Uh, they've nailed it. The Nerazzurri. Yeah. You wouldn't say is a Rocky Blanco. Would so you would say like joins the Rocky Blanco or something? <laughs> oh, don't. I, I have seen it used. I have seen it used. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you still get them. Uh, I, I, this one, I think, will be a straightforward case. Here's Dom Eddy. Uh, Arsenal tweeted um, during their FA Cup game against uh, Liverpool the other day, honours even at the break. Charlie, can you be honours even at the break? Dom Eddy says the honours are decided at full time. You can't have this at half time. Honours even. Yeah, I think that's right. It's kind of like <laughs> the bragging rights are shared halfway through the game. You, know, you can't, or like we, we've got the bragging rights going into the break. That's only, that's only decided once it finishes. You could brag at half time. You could send but... send a few messages around <laughs> to the oppo, but that feels quite hubristic. Yeah. I don't think I don't think most fans would be doing that. Honours even is definitely technically wrong at half time day, but it feels more acceptable than saying spoils are shared because you can't do that at half time because the share the spoils are not divided at half time, are they? They're yeah, not I up think, for grabs. No, I think honestly, like as it stands, I think there is. I think I think it is. Just about acceptable. We get it, right? Yeah, but this it is also works. complicated. It's an FA Cup tie, and so the kind of sharing of on would would you still talk about that? I guess you know at the end of a cup tie where it's going to a replay, it feels like again the honours are still that that still hasn't been decided. I think that would be more a kind of it's too provisional, isn't it? Just say just say all square, fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah all square. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it you feel- got very up though. They're probably like we've done that three weeks running. Let's do something different. Who's going to care? Little do they know. Meanwhile, it feels like no Sunday night in my life is now complete with someone sending me a clip of Jonathan Pierce letting his hair down on Liga duty. He really does enjoy it. This time it's PSG making hard work of seeing off ten man long. And uh, Jonathan Pierce has something else he wants to talk about. His goatee beard. He looks like one of the student dissidents from Les Miserables. If you remember the film or. Lucky enough to see the stage show. What a show that is. And he's gone back out to that left hand side, Chavez. And gets across, <laughs> and it's dangerous. Who else, who else could amazing. casually go from that to straight back into the action? Now, very few have that ability, Charlie. That's brilliant. That just kept getting better and better. And the fact that it's Les Mis, which is where he gets the shot away, comes from. <laughs> just a brilliant, br- br- so many links there. I mean, it really shows the years of experience. That he has because to compare it to the example from earlier with the Luke the Young Luke Littler thing like the, that commentator's like really has to wait until there's a proper nothing passage of play going on so he's safe to to drop in the darts reference this this like the ball is being played right through the middle of the pitch there's a counter attack on <laughs> and he just gets it in and it's seamless that's radio commentary for you again he's equipped he can he can pivot that quickly 
and it doesn't bother him. Next up, James Randall. He says, I'm sat watching the EFL highlights and the commentator of Birmingham versus Swansea said, proper striker's goal. My girlfriend jumped on this immediately and said, proper striker's goal was a non-striker's goal then. Can you help to explain? What is the least striker's goal there is, Dave? Penalty? <laughs> but you can't have penalties here, can we? If anything, they're quite strikers-y. First and foremost, what is this? the striker's goal would be... Poaching. Just, yeah, a, a tidy finish from inside the area. Or a rebound. Yeah, like a yeah. loose ball, like pouncing yeah. on it, being alert, yeah. swiveling and firing home. You know, like smashing one in from 30 yards wouldn't yeah, be a typical goal. of a striker, yeah. That's no, a central that, midfielder's uh, goal. There are goals that are very, you know, sort of fullbacks run. You know, a goal, if a strike, if suddenly you saw a striker running onto one, kind of on the overlap and smacking one in from 25 yards, which is a very sort of fullback style goal. Yeah, like Pedro Porro like, that, the other day. That's probably the yeah. least striker's goal that you could get, I think. Yeah, because you, well, that one you'd be, in, you'd be like, why was the striker <laughs> in that position? It would so feel that, really weird. It would be, it would be very odd. Yeah. And also there, there are some, the way fullbacks score goals often, maybe not so much anymore, although Poro's a good example, but when they're kind of running onto one and they just leather one on the correct, you know, they're a left back on the left side, just smashing one. That would seem really odd for a striker to score. Or even that goal we talked about before, a kind of fullback goal of suddenly they pop up and they kind of hit one top corner near post in a really like economical finish and then kind of run away as if they've stolen a goal. That's just not a strikery sort of goal. They don't, they wouldn't finish like that. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I think we've I think we've nailed it. It's just circumstances that a striker just wouldn't find themselves in. It's very much the technicality here. So um, hope James Randall is satisfied. I quite like this one too. This came from um, Liam, who was uh, who was watching Premier League coverage in Germany, and uh, they brought up the Premier League table and uh, had slightly corrupted some of the names of the teams. The general rule pattern here. The general pattern here seemed to be every team that exists only with one name, Fulham. Burnley, Everton had FC stuck on the front of their name in the league table and it did look it looks really jarring. So the second half the bottom half of the table on German TV on their coverage looks like this. Wolverhampton Wanderers, AFC Bournemouth, FC Fulham, Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest, FC Brentford, FC Everton, Luton Town, FC Burnley and Sheffield United. My simple question to you if we also allow the top half teams into the equation Charlie, what is the most jarring FC and what is the most acceptable? FC in the Premier League. You 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 are allowed to consult a Premier League table if you wish. I very much am. Yeah. I mean, well, we've just heard all the football club stuff about Everton. Football club like Everton, as Seamus Cole would Everton. call them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, that might blow his mind a bit. Well, I think I think the most jarring because obviously we associate that with a kind of continental thing. You know, so there's a sort of element of exoticism about an an FC team. So FC Burnley sounds particularly weird. I, I, because I, that's I, just I think that so rolls odds. off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. I think rolls that rolls off, off Michael the, Tom. <laughs> I think that rolls off the tongue quite nicely. FC Burnley. I guess it, maybe it's FC Barcelona or something. But I exactly, wouldn't call them yeah. that either. Who are the Who are the most FC team? FC in- Everton. FC Everton. FC Brentford. I like FC Brentford. Out, yeah, of, FC that, Brentford. out of that crop, I sort of. They, you can kind of imagine them rebranding as that. Yeah. Mm. Are Micheland FC... Are they FC Micheland? Their club that they're yeah. twinned yeah, with? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So maybe that kind of could work. Could Bowley turn them into FC Chelsea? Ooh. It's too prestigious a name, isn't it? Like, yeah. they already trade off that as it is. You, you wouldn't want to... And it's not sexy it. enough for a, for an American, No, really, you is could, it? You couldn't have FC Arsenal because that would ruin the Arsenal, as some of them like to call FC them. Liverpool. FC Liverpool. That's weird. Who are the most FC actual team? Who are the most actual FC? FC Porto used to be a thing, and for some reason, just everyone suddenly stopped doing it for no reason. Who are the most FC team? I mean, Barcelona, because there's FCB, I think that's a sort of... FCB is a kind of something you might see written down with their inner score. I would physically walk away from you if you said FC Barcelona. I've just typed in FC to Google, and the suggested searches has brought up three football teams, three football clubs, rather, and they are FC Barcelona, mm-hmm. FC Porto, and the third one, FC Aruca. They are a team 14th in, in Liga Portugal, just a mid-table team in Portugal I've never heard of. Wow. So I don't know why it's done that, but there you go. But FC Porto, yeah, so that backs up your FC Porto. I mean, they are officially FC Porto. They're football club Porto. 
So you, you should still be able to get away with calling them FC Porto. But they sounded cooler as FC Porto. They sounded scarier as FC Porto. Mm. That was the mid-90s thing. It's, it's Transworld Sport. That's what it was. And then after that, we just, I don't know, got too familiar with them. I'm annoyed by that because I really enjoyed calling them FC Porto. They sounded much more formidable as a result. Finally on the adjudication panel then, this came from listener Chris. He says it's happy hunting grounds related. What is the Premier League fixture you'd assume to have happened but hasn't? Stoke versus Leeds and Wigan versus Leicester are the best ones I can come up with. This is quite similar to players we thought had played for certain clubs but haven't. This is this is fascinating to me, actually, because I've been through the spreadsheet at some point, Charlie, and having to remove combinations of fixtures that haven't happened. And it did dawn on me that there are some games you think, whoa, they haven't played each other in Premier League. How odd? Yeah, I think it needs to be... I was thinking about this, like Bolton... Were in the pre- was such a staple of the Premier League for a long time, but they went out in 2012 and haven't been back since. So I was trying to think, is there a team that have kind of then become a staple in the period since? The- I mean, maybe, well, maybe this doesn't feel that old, but like Bolton wouldn't have played Bournemouth, for instance. Yeah. But then they seem like they're from they two feel- very different yeah, eras. Yeah, they're very so disparate. That, that isn't that surprising. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But good benchmark um, to have. Yeah, w- Wigan's a good shout because, again, they've... They were a staple, then went out in 2013 and haven't been even nearly back. I mean, didn't we talk about that? There was a Watford. We were trying to work out whether Watford would have played a certainty. Because Watford are a good one because they've kind of been in, in a, they've sort of pockmarked the history of the Premier League. But there will be some clubs that they've avoided. I think we did a happy hunting grounds. It might, might actually have been a practice one that we did, but it was um, Fulham. We've only played Fulham. There's only that was two it. seasons yeah. where we've been in the Premier League together. Yeah. But yeah, there are other clubs like that, like like even like a Wolves who like, you know, didn't get in the Premier League until 2003, 2004, yeah. I think was their first one. You know, and then they had another spell out and yeah, there are quite Le- a few. Leeds like is that. a good one as well for the sort of opposite, I guess, of a, well, not the opposite, but, you know, com- compared to some of those teams that they, they had that big absence. I mean, how many times would Leeds have played Watford? In the Premier League? In fact, have they ever? Uh, yes, in 99, uh, oh, 2000. Oh, that season, yeah. 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 That's probably it, isn't it? Because when what Watford... and in the last and in the Premier League season, which was twenty ah uh, yeah one twenty two yeah yeah. What's more Premier League sounding between the two, Stoke and Leeds or Wigan versus Leicester? Wigan versus Leicester feels quite Premier Leaguey. That's Saturday three pm ish. Although I do Leicester were out for quite a while. That what was the first one? Stoke Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, I think that no, that feels like it should have happened more, just because Wigan Leicester feel a bit more like the example. Uh, that sort of um, Bolton Bournemouth and that they are a bit they're kind of from two different worlds but you also don't I don't think of Wigan as a championship team they're they're either Premier League or League One yeah correct yeah yeah absolutely right yeah that's an interesting one as well when you yo-yo so much that you you never become (laughs) synonymous with the bit in between steep Uh, yo-yo yeah Um, anyway the upshot of all of that is that Happy Hunting Grounds Live returns this week i'm delighted to say finally our scheduling stars have aligned and we'll be back on the twitter space on thursday at 9 p.m be there or quite literally be square because it was an absolute riot last time no promises are being made might have a couple of guest list tickets to chuck out if anyone's interested Uh, but i can promise you that charlie akusher will try and make it and uh, if he's there i'll pit some of you against him the ultimate happy hunting grounds challenge um dave i'm i'm especially excited for this one because um, an absolute whiz has come up with a essentially an automated Happy Hunting Grounds database, which I'm so excited about. It takes seconds now. It takes seconds. Like automated offside. That's what it is. Yeah. Although I was I was looking forward to playing the, uh, the sort of Richard Osman role. So I have less digging around to do now, which made my job easier, but I was quite looking forward <laughs> to trying to, you know, digging into transfer marked. Means more of your personality can shine through when you don't have to dig through dig through websites. So it can be a great deal of fun uh, as long as I can master the clunky Twitter space this time. But yeah, hundreds of you last time. Join us again Thursday, 9pm. Happy Hunting Grounds live. Next up. Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. Three little gems from Qatar for you this time. First up, a lovely little bit of being sports muscle flexing. We've got studios on air in Arabic and French, and there's English commentary on exclusive AFCON channels. And no one, no broadcast company anywhere in the world 
can offer you such a variety of top class <laughs> sporting events. That's quite impressive, isn't it? It's staggering, Andy. It is quite impressive. <laughs> it's got me thinking, Charlie. Um, how much it's of their staggering. time together in Doha do you think is spent just sort of sitting back going, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't worked out too badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that Yeah, that's brilliant. The, the, the timing of the It's Staggering, Andy, really, really good. Now, it, it is it is bragging in its, in its most basic um, broadcastery sense, Dave, but BN are absolutely gargantuan. Like, they, they have so many channels operating in so many languages. The, the best part of this is you... Um, I think we've touched on this before. You get so many random people popping up on all sorts of stuff. Um, Nikki Summerby is doing their Asian Cup coverage as one of the pundits. He was doing um, Hong Kong... Oh, who was it? He was doing Hong Kong versus the UAE the other day, like doing earnest punditry in the studio saying, I'm really looking... I mean, I think second half, Hong Kong are going to fade and the UAE, hopefully their class will tell. And I just thought, yeah, you're just plucking that out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on. I'm, I'm sure he's done the research. Yeah. Sure he's been watching all the league games, all the corresponding players in. It's amazing. It's it, the absolutely sprawling organisation. Uh, one we can only all aspire to be, Charlie. Yeah. It is, as Andy says, it's very impressive. Yep. We, we just prefer to be part of a uh, smaller, more well-formed organisation like Goalhanger Podcasts, personally. Right. Next up, classic little keezy setup here. Andy Gray nearly trampling all over it, but they get it over the line. They're talking about Chelsea. It's not fair. They have found consistency this year, Chelsea. What are you going to say? You're going to be. You're, you're, going, you're not going to actually praise them, and I know you're no, not. No, they're consistently ordinary. <laughs> Very good. And he should know by now, Charlie, shouldn't he? Let him go. Let him do his thing. Yeah, but I think you know. I think he's at a point where he he's too earnest. He he didn't re- he to not recognise that setup, knowing Keezy as well as he does. No, I think he does know. He knows it's coming, but he just he's as you say, he, he's he, yeah, he's sort of he can't wait. He needs to just let him let him say it and then react. Again though, Charlie, this conjures up another image of them again sat around in Doha sipping a cocktail and then just Keezy coming out with stuff like this all the time and Andy just going, "Yep. Yeah, yeah, just waving it through." They've, oh god. And then a lot of laughs, though, I think, after it. Yeah. I yeah. still think a setup like that, a kind of consistently consistently bad, is uh, would be enough to, you know, raise titters. I just, I'm, I'm struggling to think, in theory, of a more autopilot existence than those two in Doha right now. They're just, just, just cruising along. Right. Finally, I think this could be the most keezied phrase of the season so far. The sheer punchy, buttery bass. On this one, what I'd say about the club in, in defence of that is, if they chose to so, so sell a midfield player, then they've bought plenty. They've got it's an area of the football. Let me put it back that, to you that they've yeah. bought too many and, and yes, they've they spent have. a billion pounds to not have a centre forward. Yeah, that's tells crazy. Tells me that that whoever was buying players didn't necessarily know what they were doing. Charlie, I have declared this um, to be the keysiest phrase uttered this season in the absence of any audio of him saying Oscar Bob. This weekend. Yeah, that's got to come. That's got to come. Although wait. we might have to wait because won't it more it'll be more disdainful when there's kind of a lot of hype around him and then he delivers a bad performance. Mm. I feel like now now it's it's too positive. But you know, it'd be like we're hearing a lot about a young man named Oscar Bob. Oscar. How many goals has he scored, Andy? <laughs> that sounds too harsh for Keezy. I don't think he would lay into a young player like that unless they had a body of work behind him and then there was something that they could be sort of complacent about. He's he's more even-handed than that, is what I'm saying, Charlie. That's interesting. That that is an interesting. Has Oscar Bob given I, him any 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 no, reason no, to not yet, yet? Not yet. But I do. But I think if if he feels that you know there's that people are going overboard in their praise of Oscar Bob, I think he wouldn't he wouldn't be against bringing him down a peg or two. Would he Would he sort of use Oscar Bob as a stick to beat? Manchester United with in the next Ooh, derby. I mean, come on, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's Oscar Bob, Bob. Yeah, this is this is Manchester United who used to win treble. Now they can't cope with Oscar Bob. Look out for it. Yeah. It's coming. Maybe. Um, either of you read his blog uh, this fine no, Monday No, I saw Monday that. Morning. It dropped just as we were about to record. Um, or I saw it just as we were about to record. Headline, sorry. And, that, and and he tweeted it out with just the headline, sorry. So I couldn't click on it fast enough. Thought, What's it going to be? A sorry <laughs> exclamation mark as well. So I thought it's going to be playful. There's going to be some mischief here. Um, uh, for any uh, For any 
young writers out there, this is how to do a drop intro. Uh, he begins with, <laughs> how many of us are old enough to remember the 80s sitcom Sorry, starring Ronnie Corbett? <laughs> Actually, it doesn't matter too much. It's the name of the show that I'm more interested in. Watching the latest weekend of Howlers from our officials, it occurred to me that Howard Webb's little programme with Michael Owen should perhaps be called that now because he's going to be doing an awful lot of apologising in the next episode. <laughs> Brilliant. So Brilliant. Possibly one of the date, most dated possible references to use and then essentially it not being necessary at all. Exceptional work. What a journalist. What a writer! I genuinely is after the United, all the United Ratcliffe stuff yesterday. I just could, does he get into that in the blog? I really hope he does. Does I was talk thinking, about I Ratcliffe? I couldn't, oddly, oh, I couldn't wait to read Keezy on him. How did he miss that? Because it's so in his wheelhouse of you know someone he hates yeah. making it about him. Yeah, it's this is really a football odd. club. It's about what happens on the pitch, not in the boardroom. Sunny Jim. Yeah, otherwise it's it's a classic whistle stop tour of Premier League narratives. A lot of VAR, PGM are well. Um, picking apart some of the decisions, and then Rafa there's a Benitez. really there's <laughs> there's a really cryptic ending, Dave. Which I I don't know why, but I feel like you can pick apart. Last two paragraphs go like this: I'm sorry, I haven't spent any time talking about Saturday's big story. You know, the pitch invasion at Reading. Not too many other people are talking about it either. Perhaps there's a reason for that. One second, <laughs> and just in case you missed it. The other big story no one is talking about was Hartlepool's FA Trophy defeat at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough FC. And that's it. That's how it ends. Is that a Stelling dig? What? What is he on about? That's so weird. <laughs> is, it, is that a Jeff Stelling dig? <sighs> so what's the Reading That was thing? where my mind went with, with Hartlepool, obviously. What beef has he got with Reading and Hartlepool? I don't think he's got any beef with Stelling, as far as I'm aware. Ooh, I wouldn't be surprised, but like, though. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I've never seen him say anything publicly and reading why wouldn't people talk about reading people have been talking about reading it's like the post office scandal all over again this he has been covered you're just not paying attention perhaps get, there's a get reason itv for that. to do a drama on reading and then we'll take yeah. notice <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be as compelling i don't think but uh perhaps there's a reason for that what's he suggesting what is he going on about really confused I don't know what he's on about, but we'll, we'll you know, so, if we know Keezy, Charlie, he will divulge it in the end. He won't. He never yeah, remains I, cryptic. That's that's no, one thing we know about no, him. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, that wraps up the adjudication panel. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with the promised. Can't believe he hasn't played for them. Eleven, and of course, HHG live on Thursday night. See you for one or both of those. See you later. <laughs>